So you can change a sentence without changing the words. Did you know that? And you can change a sentence without even changing the punctuation. So you can have the same sentence structure. You can use the same words. You can use the same punctuation. And you can still change the sentence with your voice inflection. How many of you know that's true? It's true. Take, for instance, take, for instance, the big question that we're answering today. As a church body, where are we going? And you can keep the sentence the same, and you've got the right punctuation at the end, the question mark, and you can say that in different ways, and it exudes different feelings. For instance, you can say it in such a way that you communicate confusion. Where are we going? You can say it to exude frustration. Where are we going? You can say it to exude like fear. Where are we going? Or you can say it to exude excitement. Where are we going? Now, I hope excitement is the way that you ask that question. But to be honest and to be fair, over the past two or three years, you may have asked that question with these different uh, types of emotions attached to it. There may have been times since you've been here at the fellowship that you asked that question with confusion. There may have been times that you asked that question with frustration or with fear or with anger. But I hope today... June the 2nd, today's the 2nd, right? June the 2nd, 2019, if you're asking that question, you're asking it with excitement because it is with excitement that I want to answer that question for you today. And we're going to answer it actually with the scripture that we're going to look at over and over and over and over again over the course of the next uh, 12 months. It's a a passage out of Colossians chapter 2. And we're kind of using this scripture to cast the big picture vision of what it is that we're going to be doing for the next year. And so I want to challenge you to memorize this verse. I want to challenge you to be able to come back next week knowing this verse, not just in your head, but can I just challenge you to go one step beyond knowledge and hide this verse in your heart. Don't don't just come back being able to say it from memory. Come back with it hidden in your heart. So Colossians chapter 2 is the scripture that we're looking at this morning as we answer the question, where are we going? Not from confusion, not from fear, not from frustration, but from excitement. We're asking and answering that question. Where are we going next year? Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Here's what the Word of God says. Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in Him. Some of your translations may say, continue to live in Him. So then as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him, verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Lord Jesus, as we take a moment this morning, we trust and we have full confidence that you've not only heard the words that we've sung, and and the way that we've sung it, but you've seen through to our hearts. And you know, Lord, that there are some people who are inspired this morning, and there are some people who are suffering this morning. And we pray that you bless both. 
We, we know, Lord, that there are people here this morning who have made you their Lord and there are people who are struggling with that decision. I pray that you bless both this morning. And so we know that you've heard and, and seen our worship. We know that you've heard our prayers because you're a God who listens when your people cry out to you. And this is our bold prayer this morning, that you will change our lives this morning through the power of the Word of God, that we will not only stand on the Word of God, but that we would submit ourselves to it and we would place ourselves under its powerful weight this morning as we ask this incredibly important question, where are we going? We thank you, Jesus for loving us. Lord, how we're grateful for the way that you've blessed us this morning. And as we submit ourselves to your word, we're excited about where we are going. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what does it look like? It's one thing for us to look at the scripture, Colossians 2. I mean, you you can't pick a better scripture to talk about the power of God and the importance of the power of the Lord in our own personal life as we seek to follow Jesus. But how does this relate to what it looks like for us in our everyday life, not just individually, but corporately as the body of Christ? And if you have your bulletin, you see there four ways or four things that it looks like for us to walk in this scripture, not just to know what it says, not just to memorize it, but what does it really mean for a believer, for myself and for you as we seek to live out the scripture that says, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him rooted, built up, established in faith, abounding in thanksgiving. What does that look like? And I want to give you these four words because as elders, as staff, as leadership teams, these are the four things that we're praying for God would do in an incredibly abundant fashion at the fellowship over the next 12 months. The first is salvation. We are praying that people would surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus. Not just in these walls, but at your jobs, because God is using you at your jobs. We're praying that people would surrender their lives to Jesus, not just in this building, but in your homes, because you're a godly and Christian person at your home, just as you are here. We're praying that God would bring salvation to this town, to this county, not just in these walls, but through us. So wherever we go and wherever you find yourself tomorrow, we're praying that more and more and more salvation would occur. Now we see this in the scripture where it says, therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. Now I know oftentimes we talk about Jesus being our Savior. And I think it's appropriately so because I just want to be clear, there's only one that can forgive your sin And his name is Jesus. Your pastor cannot. None of your elders can. Your Bible study leader cannot. This church cannot. No church can. No denomination can. Your good works can't. There's nothing and no one that can save you from your sin except for Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice in the verse that when Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossus, He doesn't say, 
as you have received Christ Jesus, your Savior. He says, Lord. And I think that's important for us to think about. Because he's saying, if you are in the kingdom of God, Jesus isn't just your Savior. He's your Lord. He's over every area of your life. He not only uh, cares, but he wants to guide every single area of your life. You know that part of your life right now that you're uncomfortable with? That you're thinking to yourself, I hope Pastor Zach never finds out about this. You know that area of your life that when you go to bed at night, you struggle with? Maybe there's an area of your life that you feel a little guilty about. Maybe even you would use the word shame. Listen, Jesus is Lord of that area too. And, and the profoundness of what this author is saying in this biblical passage is, as you have received Jesus as Lord. You see, one of the things that plagues, I don't want to just say our society, because I just believe it's been happening for uh, generation after generation. And, and I'm going to be honest, I'm getting on a soapbox. But we're timed, I'll get off super fast, but let me just get on my soapbox for a second, okay? Us preachers have fed you a line of foolishness. We have told you that you can accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and then go on about your life and do whatever you want and just be saved. So one day when you die, you don't have to go to hell. Listen to me. When you give your life to Christ, He gets your full life. Not just for eternity but for the here and now. And you may be discovering this for the first time today, and this may be blowing your mind. And if so, that's okay, because it's blown my mind too. But here's the idea, that Jesus doesn't just save you from your sin. He's the Lord of all things. And I've gotten to the place where I celebrate that. I used to feel a little threatened by that. Like, wait, God, give me that one back. Right in there, that one area of your life that you just want to have control of. But you know what? And it wasn't immediately, but eventually I got to that place where I said, Lord, take it. And don't ever let me grab it back from you. Because it is safe in the hands of God. Jesus is our Lord. And my prayer is that more and more and more people would surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus at the fellowship and through the fellowship, which is not the building. It's the people that are sitting right here. You are the fellowship. The fellowship is not a building. And our prayer is that people would surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus because of the fellowship over the next 12 months. The second thing that it looks like for us to live out this verse is forward movement. You'll notice that it says, and just after it talks about as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord. Now some translations will say walk in Him. Some translations will say continue to live in Him. But I want you to notice that receiving Jesus as Lord isn't this historical moment and then it just stops and is frozen and dies at that spot. This idea is that as you've received the Lord Jesus as your Lord, continue in Him. 
Him. And so some of us did a really good job of surrendering our life to Jesus, but we need to get back to that place where we are as surrendered today as we were when we surrendered our life to Jesus. And so I'm just calling that forward movement this morning. We continue to move forward in the Lord. So we don't have to look back and talk about that day that God was so real in our life, or we don't have to look back and talk about that season in our life where I was really walking with God. That season is now. Your time to walk with Jesus is now. It is always today when we can walk with God. And I want you to know that. And and the scripture says that we receive him as Lord and then we walk in him. And forward movement is something that we want to see God do more and more. And we believe that God has called us to pray for that. Not just as a church, but we need to be praying for one another. I want to pray for you, and I'm challenging you to pray for me, that we continue to move forward in walking with Christ. The third thing that can happen when we're walking this way, when we're actually applying this verse to our life on a daily basis, is what I call radical transformation. And a lot of people just get weirded out when they see the word radical attached to anything. I get it. But I want to use that word because I want you to understand that God desires to radically transform your life. He wants to, the Lord wants to, to work in your life in such a way that five years from now, four, three, or even two years, or even one year from now, you look back and you go, the only explanation for what happened to me from June 2nd of 2019 to June 2nd of 2020 is God. That's the only explanation. Now, when you, when you move in the verse, you move past the scripture where it says walk in Him or keep living in Him, you see that it makes three really important uh, points. It says rooted, built up. Why? So that you can be established in the faith. You know, some of us are followers of Christ and we have a lot of love for God in our hearts. But if we were to be honest, one of the problems that we face is we're not rooted. So do we believe in Christ? Yes. Do we want God? Yes. Do we love to praise God? Yes. But we haven't taken the necessary steps to be rooted or built up so that when testing comes, whether it's difficult life circumstances or or maybe it's the testing of temptation or maybe it's the testing of of the culture that wants to teach us what's accurate and true instead of the word of God. But when we face the testing, we can have a lot of love for God in our hearts. But if we're not rooted, built up and established in the faith, then we're going to get blown over by difficult times, by temptation, by the teaching of culture, whatever it may be. And so we we want to not only continue to walk in Christ, but we want to continue to be rooted, built up, and established in the faith. The last one is this, an abundance of celebration. The, the verse ends by saying, abounding in thanksgiving. And we're going to talk a lot about this as the months roll on, but I just want you to notice that one of the signs of a healthy church is that there is thanksgiving all over the place. 
And when you ask the question, what has God done in your life lately? There's an answer because we see God working and we're celebrating God working. And so the scripture says, if you're still there, look with me in in verse 7. It says, rooted, built up, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I want to mention this and then we'll move on and talk about how we're going to do this. But I, I, I just want to call your attention to that place in scripture where there's 10 lepers who come to Jesus. If you're a student of the Bible, you'll know the story. If not, I'm just going to give you that Reader's Digest version of it, that super fast summary of it. Three lepers in the time of Jesus's life come to Jesus and they're crying out. They're yelling at him from across the way and they're saying, Jesus, heal us. You know, we're lepers. We have this physical problem. We need you to heal us. And so Jesus is merciful and he's loving and he heals them and they all go away. And scripture says, how many? One. One of them comes back to say thanks. Now, I'm not making this indictment against us. I'm, I'm more or less talking about the church at large. I think sometimes we're guilty of that passage. That God does so many things in our life and we get so wrapped up in what's next and what's new and where are we going and that we, that we don't come back and say Thank you. The author, the Apostle Paul says that as you have received Jesus as Lord, walk in Him, right? Rooted, built up, and established, abounding in thanksgiving. Our hope, our prayer, is that over the next year, our level of of celebration will continue to climb. We'll continue to see God at work. We'll continue to celebrate it more deeply and more powerfully. And we will continue to have that discipline of coming back and saying, thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in me and in us. Now, if you're listening to this and you've been at the fellowship for a while, you may be thinking to yourself, Wait a second, Pastor. What are you talking about? This is new. This isn't new. This is written into our mission statement. I would say you are the winner for the day. (laughs) It is our mission statement. And it's actually quite uh, of an observation of you. Our mission statement, and for those of you who may be new here today, or those of you who are not new but you haven't uh, memorized it yet, our mission statement is we make it intentionally simple so that people can memorize it. We are a loving community building up followers of Jesus, sharing Christ everywhere we go. That is our mission and that is our identity. And so as you look at those four things that you wrote down on your notes just a moment ago, you can look at that and you can say that those are simply signs that we're successfully building up followers of Jesus. I would say, correct, you are absolutely right. And so in a profound sense, the mission is not new. The strategy for the next year is actually what's going to be new. Uh, I, I want to share with you this because I think it's important, but I cannot take credit for it. A much better preacher than myself said this. You marry the mission and you date the strategy. And that's what we're doing. We are absolutely committed to the mission of being a loving community that's building up followers of Jesus and sharing Christ everywhere we go. 
But the question is, how do we actually accomplish that? Because it's one thing for Pastor Zach to get up here and yell about it and spit about it and sweat about it and go on and on about it, right? It's one thing to say that this is what we want more of. We want more of salvation. We want more movement forward. We want more radical transformation and we want more celebration. How? How do we do that? Well, that's what I want to spend just a little bit of time unpacking for you so that you have a specific way to start praying and understanding what's coming in the next year. If you're a guest today, this is the perfect Sunday for you to be here because we are outlining who we are, what we're about, and the direction that we're going for the next 12 months. So you picked a perfect day to be here. If you're here always, Well, this is a great day for you to be here as well because you can understand now this morning how your elders have been praying, how your staff has been praying and planning. And you you will leave today understanding what it is that we're trying to accomplish. I want to ask you, it's written in your bulletin, but I want to ask you to write this down. Would you write down the phrase journey challenge? That's what we're calling this, the journey challenge. The next 12 months will be marked by challenging ourselves to be on the journey of a lifetime with the fellowship. And what I want to do is to do two things. I want to explain to you what the journey challenge is. And then what I want to do is to share with you how we're going to accomplish this. The journey challenge is a church-wide. This isn't something the kids' ministry is doing. This isn't something the student ministry or the adult ministry or we're doing here This is something that we are all doing together. It's church-wide. It's a uh, church-wide seven-month process for intentional, intentional and permanent spiritual growth. We're not looking for a flash in the pan. We have decided that we're willing to do whatever it takes and how long it takes to help followers of Jesus grow in their faith. We've gotten really passionate about that. We want, in, we want intentional and lasting growth in seven specific areas of our life. So what did I just say? Here's what I just said. Over the next year, we're going to look at seven key areas of our lives and we're going to take four weeks for each area and we are intentionally going to grow in those areas Because we believe that this strategy will help for us to see more people surrendering their life to Jesus as Lord of their life, more movement forward, more radical transformation, and more opportunity for us to celebrate together. So let me do this. Let me share with you these seven areas of life that we are asking God to transform and we are challenging you and inviting you to come and be a part of And then we'll talk about specifically how we're going to do that. So the first area of life that every believer needs to grow in is their ability to handle the Word of God, their ability to rightly handle the Word of God. You may love God and you may be here today and you may have your Bible in your lap and you may be a new believer or you may have been a believer for a long time. I'm really hoping that this is going to hold me when I sit down. I've never tried it. Here I am in front of everybody, right? And you may have your Bible in your lap and you may be saying to yourself, Zach, I don't know how you do it. 
I don't know how you get the first logical thought out of the Bible. I read it and I'm just like, what? I don't know how to handle the Word of God. Can I just tell you if that's where you're at, that there's probably at least a dozen other people in here that feel that way? And you may be ashamed to say it, but listen, rightly handling the Word of God is not something that we're just born and able to do. It's something that takes practice. It's something that takes discipline. It's something that takes knowledge. Now, the good news is that every person sitting here has the ability to rightly handle the Word of God. So I don't want you to think like that you can't because you can. But if you're here feeling embarrassed or you're saying, I don't do my quiet times or I don't do my devotionals because I don't know how to rightly handle the Word of God, you are not alone. And it is so important that this church is willing to push pause on everything else for an entire month for all of us to take one step deeper into our ability to handle the Word of God. That's the first uh, month that we're going to be looking at this. And we're actually going to start this in September. So over the course of the summer, we're going to be preparing, we're going to be studying, we're going to be getting ready for the journey challenge. And when September comes, that's when we're going to start it. Now in October, we're going to take a step in in what I call understanding God's presence or the abiding presence of God so that we learn to be as mindful and aware and able to celebrate God's presence everywhere, not just when we're here singing and the band is playing that perfect song that we love so much and it's like, this is my one shot to get my hands in the air because I love God. No. Because wherever you're going to be tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., God is as present in that moment as He is during that song. And it is important for us to develop the ability to be mindful of the presence of God and to be responsive to the presence of God. So that's the next month is the abiding presence of God. The third month is having confidence in our faith. You know, I made this point at Vision Sunday when we had Vision Sunday that we acknowledge that our students go through a lot because our students are taught that life is random, that there's no creator, there's no maker, but that they're here by chance and we're all here by chance and life is random and it only has value if you add value to it. And I made the point on Vision Sunday that it used to be that that's just what the students were being taught. But every person sitting here has to fight that cultural teaching on a day-to-day basis. And some of us don't feel competent or prepared to be able to give a reason for the for why you believe in the existence of God, why you believe that Jesus Christ is still living and not dead in a tomb somewhere, why you believe that it is that only that Jesus can save people, why it is that you show up on a Sunday and read this book that was written like thousands of years old. I mean, isn't it old and outdated? You see, some of us don't have the confidence to respond to those types of questions. And so as part of our journey challenge, we want to spend a month answering these really difficult questions that we get on a weekly, for some of us, daily basis on why it is that we believe that the Christian faith is the accurate one. So that's also what we're going to be studying. Now, uh, after that, we're going to be talking about relationships and what does a biblical relationship look like. And if you're not in a biblical relationship, what do you do about that? So we're going to be talking about thriving relationships in the kingdom of God 
Because relationships have a huge impact on how we see the world and, and how we seek God and how we relate to our family and our friends around us. After that, we're going to talk about personal transformation. So this is the, the real sticky part of all of the stuff that's going on inside of us and our dreams and our values and our wants and our desires and the way that we see life and et cetera and et cetera. We're going to take a month and we're going to say, what is our next step? in following Christ in our own personal transformation, not in my relationship with other people, but in my own personal transformation. The next month, we're going to take a step. We're going to have a journey challenge step in the world of vocational impact. Let me tell you something that I believe may shock you, may blow your mind, and this may be like the first time that you may want to disagree with me. And that's okay if you do. God wants to use you in your life as much as he uses me as a preacher. Do you know that? Do you know that God's plan for your life is just as important as his plan for my life? Do you know that God wants to use you to impact and to shape the world as much as he uses a guy that he called to be a pastor and a preacher? You see, here's the thing. You have friends at your school. You have friends at your job. You have friends at your home that will never listen to me. But they'll listen to you because they have seen how God has worked in your life. What if all 300 of us became convinced that whatever my vocation was, if I'm a business person or I'm a student or I'm in ministry or I'm a stay-at-home mom, or stay-at-home dad, whatever my vocation in life is, God wants to use that to bless the world and expand the kingdom. We're going to take an entire month to talk about what would that look like for you. Because my journey is not your journey. But the question is, what is your journey? And how would God take your vocation and bless the world and expand the kingdom through it? Finally, we'll talk about the Great Commission and what is it that makes the free evangelical fellowship evangelical? Why is it that we call ourselves evangelicals and what is it about the Great Commission that is so important? And we're going to talk about taking a step there. So the question is, how do we do this? Because once again, it's easy to stand up here and say, but how? So now we have a plan, we have a strategy, and what are we going to do to bring that strategy about? Before we close, let me share with you just a few ways that we're going to do that. The first, obviously, we're going to do a teaching series in our worship time. So in September, when we're talking about rightly handling the Word of God, you can probably write it down on your calendar that Pastor Zach's going to be teaching a lot about the importance of God's Word and people who handled God's Word well and people who did not handle God's Word well and the Bible and what happened to them. So we're going to do teaching series geared towards these seven areas of our life that we're taking the journey challenge to grow in. But in addition to that, we're going to have what we call journey groups. This is something brand new. So if you're here for the first time, you are as aware of it as anybody else here, right? We're all new to this one concept. Journey groups are groups that meet in homes during this time that are focused on helping us reach our goals that we're setting for ourselves. 
So if we're talking about rightly handling the word of God, and you would say, it's not that I don't know how, it's just that I'm not doing it on a daily basis, your journey group will help hold you accountable, encourage you, pray for you to to do that on a consistent basis. So journey groups are designed to be small in number, but effective in nature, so that you are able to hit your goals that you're setting for yourself as we go throughout. Now, because this is new, we don't have any leaders set up. We don't have any host homes. So if you're interested, pause message, here's the commercial. If you're interested in being a host home or a leader for one of these journey groups, get your pen and write these two dates down. Next Friday, which should be June the 7th, at 7 p.m., there's an informational meeting here. Then on Sunday, which is the 9th, after the service, we're going to have another informational meeting for people who are interested about opening their homes or being a leader for a journey group. So if you're interested in that, then you can come to one of these informational sessions and there'll be somebody at the information booth. You can sign up and say which one you're coming to and they'll be there to receive you. And I I just wanted to make sure that you're aware of that. So we've got teaching series. We've got journey groups. We also have... What I call, because I don't know another word for them, workshops. We're going to have spiritual growth workshops here at the church twice a month to help us. You may say, I don't know how to rightly handle the word of God. We're going to have a workshop that will teach you the basic principles of reading, understanding, and applying the word of God. And so for each of these seven areas, we're going to have workshops that are designed to help you because we're serious about this. We don't just want this to be some loose general theme that we talk about the importance of and we don't go all in. We're going all in. Our calendar is going to reflect this. Our resources are going to reflect this. How we spend our time is going to reflect this. And so you've got teaching series. You've got um, journey groups. You've got workshops. Uh, We're also each month, anybody who wants to, we're going to have, um, I don't know, what is, what's, the way to say a book club. We're going to have a book for each month that we're going to read together, uh, whoever wants to and discuss that's designed to help us. And then we're going to have days of prayer and fasting because at some point it's really not about knowledge anymore. You can come to the workshops, you can listen to the teaching series, you can go to your journey groups and you can read the book. But if God isn't doing something inside of you, you're going to have a hard time really taking these steps So we're going to do prayer and fasting. We are going all in to grow. So real fast, what can I do today? What can I do today? I mentioned to you that this is September that we're going to launch this. And you may be thinking, Pastor, you're a little early on this, aren't you? No. Because we have to get ready. This is so big that we really have to get ready for. What can I do? The first thing, you should get honest with yourself. And you should go back and pour over Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, and ask yourself this question. Is Jesus my Lord? I may believe in God. I may talk about God. I may read about God. But I've never really surrendered my life to Him. That's the first step. And you know what? In September, that will still be the first step. And in October, that will be the first step. Get honest with yourself and ask yourself, where are you at with Colossians 2? Make sure that you're not just interested in the kingdom of God. Make sure you're in the kingdom of God. And if you don't know what that means, 
Let's get off to the side at the end of the service. I would be happy to talk with you about what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Second, I should get praying. I believe that the Lord is going to radically, powerfully, and permanently change who we are as the fellowship this next year. I think we need to start praying about that. Can I ask you to begin to pray? If you don't know what to pray for, pray for the elders as we prepare for this, for the staff, for all of the volunteer leadership teams that we have. We have to stay unified and we have to stay focused to continue to put these emphasis on these seven areas of life. Honest, praying, I should get committed. You know, I hope that by the time September rolls around, you're not wondering, is this something I really want to do or not? I hope that that this is so appealing to you right now that you would say, if we started on June the 3rd, I would be in. That's how committed I am to, to this, to the journey challenge. But if not, would you just start praying? And would you just start identifying the things that are causing you to really not be committed to it and prepare yourself to be committed when the time comes? The last is this. I should get aware of others. I should get aware of... Here's what I mean by that. Surely, there's one person that you know in your life that needs to grow in these seven areas. Can I challenge you to write their name down and make a commitment to the Lord, to yourself, to this body of believers that you're going to bring them along with you on the journey challenge Would you reach them? Would you help them to get plugged in so that when we begin in September, we're beginning with friends who are followers of Jesus but need to take this journey as well. So I'm asking you to pray about who can you invite to go with you on this journey challenge. The best way to end a day where we're talking about where we are going as a church is to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And as our ushers prepare the Lord's Supper, communion, I just want to give you a moment to think about and to pray about what you've heard this morning from Colossians chapter 2. Let me just say it again for you to hear as we close this morning's message. Therefore, As you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him. Rooted and built up, established in the faith and abounding in thanksgiving. You know, this morning I I said that I hope that you would... Ask the question, where are we going with excitement? And I hope now that it's been answered that you would leave today with excitement. But maybe you need to do some business with the Lord. And so we want to give you a chance to do that. Father, as we close the message and receive communion 
We are grateful people that you've invested and entrusted the word of God to us, that you've blessed us with the exact message that you want for us to have in the word of God. We're excited about what is before us. We celebrate where you've brought us to and all the many ways that you've been faithful And you've spoken to us and you've worked in our lives and you've worked through our lives. And so we're grateful, but we are excited about what you're going to do in the days ahead. We proclaim your death, Lord, as we receive communion. And we ask, Lord, that you would be honored as we participate, but you would also unify us as we participate. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.